Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Merini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. This week, the European Union proposed the toughest package of sanctions yet against Russia for its war in Ukraine, including an embargo on Russian oil. However, some member states are worried about the impact on their own economies, and the EU has had to tweak its sanctions plan in a bid to win them over. As of Friday night, there was still no green light in sight. Yanis Paleologos, Kathy Merini's Brussels correspondent, joins me with the latest analysis. Yanni, great to have you back on with us. Great to be back, Sano. Yanni, what's Brussels calling for with this latest sanctions package? So the most important part, the one is the embargo on Russian oil and oil products, which was long expected, but is proving, as was expected, quite controversial. There is also an associated ban on all uh, ships belonging to European entities or individuals from transporting Russian oil and oil products not only to the EU, but anywhere in the world, and also for any associated services, technical, insurance, and others relating to the transport of Russian oil to also be blocked. And there are also new sanctions against individuals, including the Patriarch of Moscow, Kirill, who's been a vocal supporter of the Russian invasion, military officers involved in war crimes in Ukraine. There's also a rumor now that the gymnast who is thought to be Putin's mistress will also be on the list. There are further measures against uh, Russian banks, including Sberbank, the biggest Russian bank, will now join the ranks of the banks that have been uh, de-swifted, cut off from the SWIFT messaging system for international bank transactions. And then three state broadcasters, Russian state broadcasters, will be blocked from any kind of transmission in EU countries. Yanni, while in Alexandrupoli this week, you interviewed European Council President Charles Michel. And he told you that he was certain that member states would soon adopt this new package of sanctions. What we've seen, however, is a growing divide between member states. Is adoption of these sanctions looking less likely today? It's almost certain that there won't be a decision today. There will be a continuation of the negotiations into the weekend. There are two sort of main sticking points. There are a number of countries which are heavily dependent on Russian oil, which are asking for relatively long derogation periods, periods during which they will continue to buy Russian oil because they argue that they can't wean themselves off so quickly. The original proposal uh, foresaw an extra year for Hungary and Slovakia. That has now changed to two years, a compromise proposal of two years. But Slovakia is asking for three years. Hungary is asking for five years, which it certainly won't get. There are three more countries, Czech Republic, Bulgaria, and Croatia, which are asking for an extension of the period during which they can buy Russian oil. The Czechs have been offered a year and a half, I'm told. So there's still conversation, the negotiation going on on that front. And then on the shipping front, Greece, along with Cyprus and Malta, first of all, have been asking for extensions themselves, but they don't seem to be getting anything very long on that. There will be probably a three-month period for which they can still transport Russian oil, but no more than that. But then what's crucial for Greece especially is that there is a sort of a commitment of coordination with international partners so that the shipping companies of other major countries outside the EU will also abstain from moving Russian oil so that the embargo can be effective and so it can be a lot harder for the Russians to make up for the losses of revenue from the oil that they would have sold to Europe by selling it in other parts of the world, like China, for example. Yanni, European leaders have increasingly made it clear that EU sanctions must maximize pressure on Russia while minimizing damage to Europe. 
Are the objections to this latest proposal indicative of maybe a diminishing appetite across the EU for more and harsher measures? I mean, it's certainly the case that oil, you know, in the previous round, we had the ban on Russian coal with a transition period of four months. But the dependence on oil is much larger. And especially for those countries mentioned earlier, it is very large indeed. So the negotiation is proving tough, maybe tougher than some in Brussels uh, expected. But there is still the optimism that, you know, at some point during the weekend, they will reach a compromise that will be acceptable to all. And it's important also to note that in terms of the volume, the five countries mentioned only make up, I think, of about 6% of the total of Russian oil imports into the EU. So giving them perhaps slightly longer transition periods will not have that much of an effect in terms of hitting the Russian oil sector where it hurts. Yanni, what would it mean if there wasn't an agreement reached this weekend and there was no breakthrough on this new round of sanctions? I mean, it would be the first serious sort of breach in the unity, the admirable, sort of remarkable unity that the EU has displayed since the beginning of the crisis, since the beginning of the Russian invasion. So I think it's quite unlikely to happen. And that's what we're hearing from inside the room. You know, Hungary, which is sort of the most vocal opponent of the measure, has always taken care, you know, it it often is the odd country out, the one vetoing proposals at EU level, but it almost always is the case that it blocks issues of symbolic significance. And Orban is always very careful not to block matters on issues which are of great substantive significance. And I think this is the case with the oil embargo. And therefore, you know, once he gets as much as he can in terms of the transition period, that Hungary will also accept it and the other countries as well. In your interview, Yanni, with Charles Michel, he also made a thinly disguised reference to Turkey, which has not adopted sanctions against Russia. Is the European Union growing increasingly impatient with Turkey's fence-sitting on this issue? I mean, the way he put it, it showed that there is some disaffection about it. There's also disaffection about countries like Serbia, which are not adopting sanctions and not sort of aligning with EU foreign policy on this. I don't think it's a very strong sign of disaffection. You know, it's the kind of statement you get from the EU, especially on a foreign policy issue as important as this, when a country that is formally at least still a candidate country is not aligning with the EU position. But I don't expect any significant pressure to be put on Ankara. And in fact, you know, the president of the European Council, when I asked him whether discussions with Turkey on this had borne any fruit, did not have much to say on that. I want to move us to the sanctions on individuals, because you mentioned earlier that this new round of sanctions is also targeting the leader of the Russian Orthodox Church, Patriarch Kirill. Is the West finally yes. catching up to the Russian Church's role in amplifying you know, not only the Kremlin's war of aggression in Ukraine, but its broader propaganda and disinformation campaigns? I mean, it may be. The, the Patriarch of Moscow has been particularly vocal in supporting the invasion. He's been sort of backing this view that Putin has that you know Ukraine is part of the Russian world and not really a separate uh, self-standing nation, and therefore, you know, it makes sense to try to bring it back into the fold, however brutally this is done. And I think, you know, the the decision to place him on the sanctions list, if confirmed once the the sanctions are are finally approved, will show that there is an understanding of the very negative role he has played. Yanni, thanks for joining us again. Thank you so much, Dano. In other news, Bulgaria and Greece agreed on Thursday to seek joint gas deliveries for southeastern Europe and decrease its reliance on Russian gas amid the war in Ukraine, Bulgarian Energy Minister Alexander Nikolov said on Thursday. 
Bulgaria, which was meeting over 90% of its gas needs with Russian imports, saw its gas deliveries cut on April 27th, along with Poland after refusing to pay in rubles. The country is pushing for regional cooperation that would include better use of gas and electricity infrastructure, as well as joint EU gas purchases to cut dependence on Russian imports. Bulgaria's gas provider, Bulgar Gas, and Greek gas utility, Depa, will look for gas delivery opportunities for the region, Energy Minister Nikolov said. Finally, a photograph of Dr. Mehmet Az, who is running for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania, casting a ballot in Turkey's 2018 presidential election, is raising concerns among some national security experts, particularly after recently saying he has never been politically involved in Turkey in any capacity. Az recently earned a coveted endorsement from former President Trump, boosting his chances of winning the Republican primary. Political opponents, however, have continued to target his connections to Turkey. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo also raised concerns about Az's ties to Turkey, saying his connections to Turkey's government and military pose national security concerns. Oz's campaign spokesperson said there is no security issue whatsoever. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.